0: And now, broadcasting
1: live from the University of British Columbia's CITR 101.9 FM Studios in Vancouver, Canada, it's the Soka Storm with RTP Sound DJ Soka Conductor.
2: Now no, you're inside the
0: Soka Storm.
2: Now, up, no. you're inside the put Storm. My
1: of Calypso Rose and Town. Track is called Wafu Dance. Right here, CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. Streaming to the world at CITR.ca. I'm RPP Sound, privileged enough to have in studio, alive with us today. Frontman, lead singer, composer, writer, and living legend of uh, calypso music, uh, Mr. Drew. How are you doing, sir? Hey, very well, Robin. Thanks, thanks for having me here. It's a, a, a pleasure and a privilege. This, uh, th- this. Uh, tell me how this collaboration came to be with Calypso Rose. Was this track came out what a couple years now, right?
3: Yes, uh well it was just it was released about a year ago in Europe I still I still think it's awaiting its North American uh, release okay but uh um but it seems to have gotten around quite a bit since it came out uh, over there uh, a few years ago I heard about I guess two and a half years ago, um, Rose's manager uh, approached Ivan Duran, the producer, and I to work on an album uh, with her. Okay, and uh, yeah, so so we went into the studio in Billy's.
1: And she has been uh, in the in the music business in the the calypso music business for uh, quite some time, right? She's a pioneer of her own. Yes,
3: absolutely. You know. Part of my rediscovery of Calypso music after I moved to Canada uh, really came through her records. You know, my grandparents had a record collection of old Calypsos and they had a bunch of her records from the wow. the late 1970s. So it was a real thrill to live with some, uh, to work with somebody who, uh, who uh, you know, had such a, a big influence on my own arts.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Um, so you, you, you actually went on tour with her for uh, some time. Where, where did that all take you?
3: Well, we went on a tour with her through the U- the United States, uh, the U.S., Midwest, and a couple of other other dates. And uh, we've played with her um, in various cities in Canada. And uh, over in Spain, we went to Womex with her a okay. few months ago. And a few weeks ago, I actually went and joined her for a show at Shore Park in Tobago.
1: Wow. Wow. Um, Calypso Music uh, is... You know, a lot of people in North America, I guess, they they, they think back to Sounds of the Sixties and stuff. It it, it came across a little bit. And um, there may, there's a, a perception that it's been dormant, maybe, since then. Um, not completely the case, because, of course, um, preceding Carnival season in Trinidad, uh, the, the, the tents, they really haven't stopped uh, going straight through. But ho- however, Kobo Town, um, you guys are really kind of almost reincarnating it. Would, would, how would you describe that
3: well i mean yes i mean calypso is the big influence on on everything that that we do you know um you know it's funny you know when i when i was growing up in trinidad i didn't uh you know I didn't really pay attention to the music that was all around me, you know, and I think I have what is perhaps a typical immigrant experience of going to another country only to realize how much you kind of love the culture that surrounded
1: you before. What age were you when you left?
3: I left as a young, early teens, you know, And, uh, and so... But but the thing is, I mean, I guess calypso for us is like a springboard where we kind of jump into all sorts of other sounds. So you know, you can probably hear a lot of like old dancehall and dub poetry, and like you know, there's uh, you know even a, like ska, you know, in uh, in our music as well. But I keep, so I guess it's a
1: fusion in that sense. It's you're not you're not strict to the form of calypso, but it's uh, I, I, for people who don't know, let's describe first what calypso music. Is it? it, it it's, it's sort of a folk music in a kind of way. Yeah, it's sort of uh, people's music. Could you say?
3: Yes, definitely. I mean, and the music is very interesting because its history is as is as complicated and as varied as the history of the island. It- it comes from you know, and it bears the influences of so many communities that that settled in trinidad you know and uh and the thing that always captivated me about calypso was the uh well the cleverness of the lyrics, the fantastic storytelling, and it was also really. Um, refreshing to listen to music that could address very serious topics without taking it in too seriously. In a light sort of fashion, yeah. yeah, in a light and humorous fashion. You and know?
1: going back, I guess historically, it, it was sort of a way, a, a, a mode of communication between slaves, I guess, really to um, kind of to, co- to make comment on their masters or, 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 politically speaking, yes, for
3: sure. I mean, the double entendre, you know, the double meaning is is really, really like. Uh, very developed in calypso music and it's interesting it goes way back in trinidad i mean the first recording of a song not rec- not audio recording but the first written record of a song in trinidad was actually from my hometown Digo martin seriously yeah really exactly yeah for sure and it was in the late 1700s the shanda state there was a revolt being uh uh being planned among the slaves and the news of it was being disseminated by by a lyric right and it was uh, it went right which meant the the flesh that you eat will be the white man's flesh, the bread that you eat will be the white man's flesh and the wow. the wine that you drink will be the white man's blood, right? Wow. And they, So the
1: owners then, they wouldn't really know necessarily what they're talking oh, about. Well, exactly
3: because they discovered the song being sung and they arrested all of the <laughs> ringleaders and the ringleaders claimed that it was a Catholic song of Eucharistic devotion, okay, right? right, you know, right, so, right. So, so very, very early on there was an idea you had to put the mask over the words, okay. right? And what became, what started necessity just you know became art you know we uh, you know even in our time you know it's the double entendre calypsos whether they're political or or like sexual innuendos or whatever you know the point is the humor of you know hiding things in other words so now
1: jump ahead a few hundred years um you know technically people are free um yet there still is a niche isn't there there's still still uh, a relevance to this form of music
3: Yes, I mean, I think in its circles, it is still quite strong. I mean, you mentioned the tents in Trinidad, which are still growing strong. And, uh, and you know, even here in the diaspora, um, in Toronto, in Miami, in England, you know, there, there are Calypso tents that run hmm. at different times of the years. I know where I live in Toronto, there are many Calypso. Wow. I did not there. know that. Wow. Yeah, there's been some fantastic Calypso music made there. But one thing that I would say that is interesting is that you know, calypso has had different periods where it kind of broke out of its niche, right? And it became very popular, you know. It's uh in you know, became a pop music, you know, in the 20s, there was a period in the 1950s, you know, the time around right. Harry Belafonte. It was
1: mainstream in that in those moments. It
3: was. I mean, everybody and their cousin was making a Calypso album at one time, you know, back in the you know, late 40s, early 50s. Um, but the thing is, uh, one of the things that has happened in the music over the years is that there's been a big divergence, right? And you've probably seen this by listening to the music over the years. Uh, between music that you dance to and you jump up to and music that you think about, yes. you know? Yeah. And early calypso has never had that division. It was
1: both. It was, it was both. Both in one. Right? You'll dance and you'll... Spread uh, commentary exactly and you live in the moment.
3: And I think this is one of the secrets to the success of Calypso Rose uh, was that you know she's you know and this is something we definitely tried to achieve with that album was to was to bring them back together. You know to have songs Amazing. that could be very lyrically engaging but also very festive. You know,
1: Kobo Town's new album uh, is is just being released. Uh, Where the Galleon Sank. Uh, tell me a bit about the the inspiration of of that and uh, it, its its relevance. Sure. Um, well, the, the the name of the album occurred to me
3: when I was out on the Gulf of Paria. For those that are not familiar, it's the body of water between Trinidad and Venezuela. I was out on a fishing boat with one of my friends, going to a location, and beneath the surface, we were passing over these. And sunken. this is this is
1: a beautiful um, calm waters. Protected islands. Exactly. And these waters
3: we we're going over were quite uh were quite calm. So I could see beneath the surface and I saw these rusted out hulls of like sunken ships, you know. And it uh it had me thinking oh. about how, how much of our history in the Caribbean, but also I guess of every maritime people, right? You know, lies buried under the waves, you know. Right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and many, much of the lyrical influence on this album, many of the songs kind of take their points of departure from events in history. You know, there's a lot of kind of ruminating about the past in it, um, in the songs. And so, I, I felt like in a way, writing them was like akin to trying to pull one of these these galleons
1: or these ships back up to the surface. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, the track uh, King Sugar. Let, let's take a quick listen.
4: King Sugar what that? That's what they said. King Sugar dead. That's what they said. King Sugar dead. That's what they said. King Sugar dead. King Sugar dead. That's what they said. King Sugar dead. That's what they said. King Sugar dead. That's what they said. King Sugar dead. From the king around the kingdom, come. was the reason why we came there, from where we came from. From the carac to barrack to press out the syrup, send the best away and drink the rest as war up. Glucose, fructose, maltose, overdose. Last meal closed road. King So from island to island and coast to coast. Gone was the sovereign that ruled it. So a blush chin.
1: The track is called "King Sugar" by Kobo Town. I have Drew, the lead singer frontman of Kobo Town, alive in studio with me right now. Drew, this uh, this track "King Sugar" speaks uh, speaks of the old sugar cane industry, of the old rum industry, um, and uh, t- to which both products are, are, are still, uh, you know, people really think about those things when they think of the Caribbean. Where does this song fit into uh, the spectrum of of what you were going about here?
3: Well, you know, in in recent years, most of the, the sugar refineries and mills have closed down in the, across the Caribbean islands, you know, and uh, closed down in Shrindad, the big ones shut down a few years ago. And, you know, it really marks the final passing of an era, you know, the long, long
1: death of an era that... that Indeed, it's sort of a a, a bittersweet. (laughs) Yes, uh,
3: very bittersweet, just like I
1: saw just recently there was that scandal, they're they're using uh, imported sugar. Well, in so the exa- exactly. What's ha- going on?
3: They have to know, right? but <laughs> uh, uh, well, but the thing is, the I mean, the whole history is very bittersweet. Perhaps even a lot more bitter, you know. But this is the this is the industry that shaped the re- the region that had such a determining influence on on the culture that developed, you know. Uh, yeah and um you know you even see it in the carnival costume Jab Molassi the Molasses Devil you know that uh, and there was a sense at one time mm. that king sugar's reign would last forever and, uh, and so i suppose in a wider way the song is really about impermanence you know that what seems so immovable today
1: is is often it's not gone always tomorrow the case. yeah, yeah.
3: To you know the nothing stays the same forever
1: so i guess it's messages like that that carry across um you know as you, you, you your music is all around the world, you've toured all around the world, um, and people connect with it because of the beat, because of the rhythm, but I think also because of the story. Even though it's not necessarily a story that they know specifically, they didn't necessarily come from the islands. Um,
3: it it's it's true i find often it's only when you look at the particular details that you find the things that are of i guess wider hmm. relevance that people that are maybe outside of that particular situation can relate to because they can you know they've they've seen they've seen those same things happen just in a different way in a way. different
1: fashion yeah and it 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 conveys um I, f- I find even now people look at the the oil industry in the same sort of way trinidad's a place that's very uh, proud of their oil uh, yes, and King Petroleum's Day is coming someday too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: uh
1: could you introduce another track on on the album here?
3: Okay, the, this um this track is called London Town. Okay. And uh some several years ago uh, a tour brought us to London for the first time. And in my first time in that city I spent you know the the hours of just wandering the streets, kind of aimlessly. You know, yeah. And one thing that really struck me was how familiar it all felt. You know, I'd never been even though you before. had you hadn't been
1: to London previously.
3: No, I'd never been to London. I was walking around and just thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, did I watch too much Monty Python in <laughs> the nineteen nineties? Like, oh, you know what it's great. Yeah, but I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Of but connection. Exactly. And but the thing that uh, jumped out at me is that it was looking at the. Original names of places and names that I'd seen again and again in Port of Spain, in Bridgetown, Barbados, in Georgetown, mm. Guyana, in, uh, you know, all across Canada, you know, that's uh, anywhere that was that was uh, beneath the umbrella of that empire that's covered half the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, and so I guess in a way, it's a bit of a song of, uh, you know, a post-colonial homecoming.
1: Amazing. The London town. Is the name of the track off of Kobo Town's new album, Where the Galleon Sank? CITR 101.9 FM CITR.ca.
4: Dejected. I beg your pardon if I seem dejected from a colony once neglected. Outside, child, coming I mean, ho, 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 America had the muscle, but you had the mind. They had the bustle, but you had the design. Which one was together like rope from twine. I thought as I walked up, you see a in you. It was the middle of March, and I was walking around. London Town. Didn't know I soul, so I walked all around. London Town. Feeling like a ship which had run. Once wanted to be like you Pull a heart to grab a suit Now we ape an empire closer to home Mimic men to the end You're than our bones We were the margin You we were the metropole We were the fragment You we were the whole We were the flesh You we were the mind and soul At least that's how we hear The story told by you In your city, in you London town, walking the streets, history crashing all around. London town, mobiles ringing, I can hear the sound through you London town. I beg your pardon if I seem dejected from my colony Once neglected outside child coming home home, Long time London since your flag came down Long time since we moved along But now I see just how entwined We were left by the years that we left behind with you
3: Well, when I arrived in Canada, you know, I was at that delicate, awkward time in, you know, early adolescence. And I was, just, I guess, a somewhat maladjusted child, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, sure. Uh, and so I became very bookish. And, uh, you know, we left Trinidad very abruptly, and I missed it a lot. And one of my ways to reconnect was to, to read about the history of the Caribbean. So
1: while you were abroad, you, you would find...
3: Absolutely. Texts and books and yes, I find these, you know, endless history books that that's that I found, and and it's very interesting because it helped me to understand Trinidad and the Caribbean in a way that I never would have if I had stayed there and I had, you know, not not kind of read about. You the, wouldn't
1: wouldn't really, yeah,
3: the context beneath, you know. Can you give me an example? of something, of that some,
1: a, a difference like that, that, that something that might have jumped out of you from the history.
3: Um, well, the sense that you know. Just even that these islands come out of this... You know, unimaginable crucible of suffering. You know, mm-hmm. and that uh, that's left its patterns, its cycles of violence and uh, and anxieties. You know, and or even just one of the things that I always wondered was, you know, when I was growing up in Trinidad, and this was a real inspiration behind our first album, Independence. There was this sense that nothing we really produced was of any value, mm-hmm. of any worth. You know, mm-hmm. and and you know, I often wondered why you take that for granted. You know, right. you look for. I remember my father. As a as a youth buying me Trinidadian made sneakers and being terrified to wear them to school to be made fun of, almost. embarrassed, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because because it was something made in the country. And up right? until
1: I think maybe it's changing a little bit now, but yeah, there's always been this kind of people want to reach abroad and you know want the world to see us and and so on. But yet at the same time, in so doing, you sort of take down the walls. Well,
3: exactly, and 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 I guess you know if you read about the past you could see that you know it really comes from feeling and being on the periphery of an empire and having your the ga- your gaze uh directed somewhere else for all of your cultural cues you mm-hmm. know and uh, and so yeah so i i suppose um it's it's from that, that I know you know, I went to university and I studied history okay. and uh you know, and, and I really focused like on the history of the region, you know, Latin America and the and the and the Caribbean, wow. you know, okay. where they share a lot of the same kind of patterns, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um musically, did um did you did you go to school for training or did you just kinda pick up an instrument and learn it by ear? Um were you singing from young or well, How did that come to be part of your... Where did you, you have musical parents?
3: Well, well, I don't really have a musical family. When I was a child you know, I was really into heavy metal music in Trinidad. (laughs) And and so my first songs were these awful little angst-ridden ditties that I wrote when I was 10 or 11. And then when I came to Canada, you know, I discovered Calypso and and I got more into reggae, even though I I used to to listen to Yellow Man and all that old school girl back home. Um, Interesting. But my formal music training was actually in classical guitar. I I studied classical guitar for many years. And, uh, and, um, yeah, you know, but
1: kind of so Did you, you know, do that on your own or did you go somewhere? To? Well,
3: I, I studied with a teacher, you know. Okay. Uh, my mother bought me a guitar. It soon found its place in the closet and she was determined to make good on her investment, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, so I, um, so yeah, so. Uh, but Calypso and all of that, you know, I really learned from recordings and going to Calypso tents in Trinidad. I still remember my first tent experience. It was my first time back visiting. Okay. My father took me to Lord Kitchener's tent. Okay. And he was still... What, what
1: so, era? What time period? What did this have been? This
3: had been like mid-1990s, right? Okay. 90, so 96 Kitchener 95. Kitchener would have still been yeah.
1: alive then, I guess, right? He
3: was still alive okay. for a few more years. I saw him a few times year after year. I'd go back or, you know, to catch your tents and... Uh, and the, I, again, I was I was really thrown back by how clever and you know the lyrics were. Um, you know, it was there was just so funny and so hard hitting in so yeah. many ways. And that uh,
1: was, for me my experience there. That was one of the first times you'd see somebody laughing so much that they had to stand up out of their chair. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> totally. And I love the
3: engagement of the audience. People laughing, people heckling mm-hmm. the singer. Mm-hmm. You know, the singer heckling them back. You know, it was it was it was really really. Um, I was just very. Unique unique, you know, and, uh, and so I always sought that, that music out, you know, still to this day, you know, anytime I go to Trinidad, and, and I, I feel like, uh, you know, that's where, really where my education came from, you know.
1: Amazing, amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about the musical structure of, of Calypso, um, how, how a chorus is put together, or um, there's, there's often a part for people to sing back?
3: Well, uh, yeah, the, especially in the old-time calypsos came out of the calendar music, right? Which was the kind of boastful, taunting call-and-response for music that accompanied the stick fighters in the streets. For those that don't know, calendars like a stick-fighting art in Trinidad. And I guess like Brazilian capoeira, it has like a musical okay. aspect too. There's a lot of drumming, and there's people that sing these call-and-responses, usually on both sides. So was it yeah. joke-fighting, or was it... Really? No, it was real fighting. Okay. Uh people would uh yeah, get their teeth knocked out of their mouth. Oh, you know, yeah. It <laughs> was uh you know, it, it, it um you know, I guess now they stop because they still have stick fighting competitions. I think they stop when they draw blood. When okay. they blood, they stop. Ease off a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and um and But Calypso has taken so many forms out of the years, you know, from this early kind of call and response form, then it grew into these grand narratives with this very, very ostentatious use of the English language mm. in the 20s and 30s, you know, and uh, which Sparrow makes fun of actually in some of his songs. And then but but up until that point, you still have the very strong roots in like the real folkloric. Forms, you know, and then of course with the Young Brigade tent and Sparrow and Melody and all of them back in the fifties, and then into the sixties, they got more inventive with like with horn arrangements okay. and and uh, and and. But Calypso has always been very influenced by other types of music, you know. You listen to the nineteen thirties, you hear almost this like, you know, clarinet jazz type, you know, yes, minor key yes, jazz, yes, yes. big band kind of arrangements in the forties. In the nineteen seventies some calypsos you could because he did disco ball. Yeah, like like spinning around the room, you know. So it's uh so it's a music that has always absorbed sounds from outside of itself, you
1: know. Okay. Um the c- could you introduce your band uh for me and and, and what, what what is the arrangement of the of the band? 'Cause I as you as you mentioned, brass is a a big sound in uh in calypso music and I
3: Yes, we have uh but well, we have a brass section in our band, right? Uh, between one or three people depending on the tour, uh bass drums, guitars, uh percussions and uh and yeah, and you hear like the influence for sure in our music of uh you know, a lot of old time calypso stuff, you know, from the thirties up through, you know, the kind of Lord hmm. Kitchener, Lord Invader era, you yes, know. Yes, and, yes, uh, and and then of course, as you listen to, I mean, we're not trying to recreate Calypso from any period. We're just uh it's just no, that's
1: the coolest thing about Kobotan's music is it, it it's distinctly unique and there's a sense of in the now. It's the present. Despite its it's it's giving allusions to the past and and, and uh um it, yeah in in that regard it it's making calypso so present that it it's international well well uh,
3: well thank you <laughs> but, uh, in uh, yeah, I guess, you know, also, like, the members of the band, they come from, some of them come from, like, a hardcore Calypso background, right? And some of them come from outside, like jazz, and a lot of them are, like, they're totally unabashed rockers, right? And and on this particular album, you know, I really, you know, they really bring that kind of almost rock and roll-like intensity to a lot of the songs, cool. you know? and Which I feel,
1: actually, um, you know, opens them up and makes them a lot more vibrant, you know? Totally. Uh, who's... who? Who's uh, in the arrangement, uh, the current the current lineup uh right now? Tonight. Right now. Well on this
3: on this particular tour
1: um I have uh, Don
3: Stewart, he's, a, he's from Grenada, on the bass, and uh, Robert Milichevich on the drums, a uh, long-time musical comrade. We formed a band together in our teens. We first, like, wow. first came to Canada. And uh, a fellow called Lindsay Wellman on the, uh, on the saxophones and playing baritone and alto. And, uh, and Francesco Emanuele, our guitar player, who lives in Trinidad, but he joins us for, for tours. So he's, uh, he's up here with us as well
1: uh the previous album uh came out um 2013 i guess but it was um and that was tremendously successful what um what song probably took that to the biggest success or is the most popular would you say out of uh
3: the, the song that i think got the most radio play particularly in europe was kaiso newscast okay which is um I guess it's a song about, you know, the early days of Calypso when it delivered, you know, Calypso News used to go, you know, on lorries, like from town to town, like singing the news, right? literally Yeah, literally singing the news, of, obviously with a big appetite for whatever was scandalous and funny, right? Uh, and so this song can imagine what, uh, you know, some of the headlines, recent headlines would be if
1: they were delivered by Calypsonians. News. Let's take a quick listen to that one. A Kaiso Newscast by Kobo Town.
4: Choose to live back when Calypso brought the news If I had the choice, I would choose To live right back when Calypso brought the news No more reporters, no men No recorder, no pad and pen No nosy cameras to point and shoot No reading to cross all the truth Three chairs, three chairs, America I hear how all your catch a dictator. What's going on in front we face? Flood, flood, flood flooding waters, been investment dollars falling down like rain. Rush, rush, everything has a price in Trinidad petroleum. chavez done by the Muslimin.
1: So newscast a CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver uh sounds of kobo town with me in studio drew the lead singer writer and arranger of Kobo town um the Kaiso newscast uh, you know it, it's, it's ironic eh? the the um like the fake news these days it, it, in many ways websites and 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 um, news organizations kind of it, it almost tends to be that's where we get in our real news from. and it, it sort of harks back to uh, the form of calypso, and uh.
3: well, if you really think about it, you know, social media is is just like amplified gossip, right? You know, so much of it, and uh, and uh, yeah, you know, and and better to have the better to have the gossip
1: that that admits where its sources are from, you know, <laughs> that so and so told me such, you know. <laughs> Drew, the new album, uh, tell me about its release, uh, where people can get it, uh, where people can see the band uh, in the upcoming months well, in the upcoming months we're going to be touring in between Canada and Europe Um,
3: we're on a tour currently of uh, cities in the west here and um, the album, I suppose, will be available uh, uh you know through all the regular channels you know um the international release is not going to happen until the fall, so there may be some online platforms where it won't be available until then
1: but in general, if you search search Kobotown where the galleons sat yeah, have.
3: if you search kobotown you'll be able to you should you should be able to find it Super. and it's certainly available off of our site as well, both for download and for order too
1: um. You come to Vancouver every, every couple of years. Will you be back again in the foreseeable future for people who are unable to attend the uh, upcoming show?
3: I believe the plan is to be back in the, in November, in the fall. Super. We have, we have some Super. shows out this way then, so I'm sure that will bring us through, through Vancouver.
1: Any particular worldwide destinations you're looking forward to play, or do, do you have a favorite place to play? Oh, there been there have been so many great experiences, you know, um
3: and uh, so yeah, it's very uh, it's very hard to to single out one. It's very hard to to single out one what's
1: sure. it what's it like actually performing right at home internet at?
3: Uh, it's great. It's a little intimidating, honestly,
1: because the is so
3: established there. Well, well, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the scene is established, and also you know Trinidadian audiences and people may be surprised to you know this a little stoic, right? At first, you, you yeah, have to yeah. their, their audiences. You have to win them, you know, and uh, and you know Trinidad has been has been very uh, uh, very appreciative of of the music, you know, definitely, De- definitely, definitely. So, and
1: I find. Um, you know, I can mention Kobo Town to, to old people or young people alike. And they always light up and say, oh, they are a great band. Yeah, that, oh, that's really thanks.
3: cool. Uh, well, going back there is always special for me because it's, it's the place that has you know inspired so much of what I've written, you know, and uh, and so it's uh it's always a a very unique and special experience to to play it you know in the in the land that gave birth to it, you know
1: uh, you already answered this question, but I'll ask it again um the, the, the actual inspiration for because this album has a theme throughout it, you could say um was that a conscious thing or did it um happen naturally?
3: I guess it happens sort of naturally but but some of these songs like I knew for this record that history was going to be a bit of a muse you know a kind of a running theme through
1: maybe not all the material but through a lot of it okay got you. and do you have um oh okay the last thing I wanted to ask is is your actual writing process do you do you typically start with a concept or do you hear music in your head, or do you sit down in a room? Or? I'm afraid I completely lack the self discipline to have any kind of writing process, <laughs>
3: you know? I, I, I'm lucky that songs drop into my head from time to time, yeah. but I, uh, you know, and usually I try to write it down in whatever is at hand, you know? I pull over the car and write on the back of a store receipt, <laughs> and uh, and try to, it So you might just I think I
1: of be, something, think of a line uh, yeah,
3: something. Yeah, and, and I don't lose it, because if I don't write it down, I won't remember, you okay. know? So, so, yeah, I don't, you know, some songwriters they've you know they have a real method behind it but uh with me i find it's organic it, 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 I, I suppose and i find that in a way it's to more to keep in touch with the sources of inspiration you know to keep reading good listening to good music and lyrics and reading great literature you so know basically
1: as you live life you you incorporate exactly bits of yeah of exactly and when you
3: travel keep your eyes open mm-hmm.
1: you know do you have um how long does it take to produce an album
3: well, it varies quite a bit, you know. All of our albums took quite a while to produce because we we recorded them in different countries, different different sessions here and there. For sure. Uh this last one's recorded between Montreal, Toronto and Belize. and um and so yeah, this one is about 2
1: years in the making. Cool. Cool. Do you have um like do you know what you're doing next or do you just kind of live life and we'll see what uh Well,
3: next thing we're working on is um is another record for Calypso Rose. We're gonna be Amazing. starting in a little bit uh, uh, doing that. And um, and but I continue to write, you know, so you know, they'll they'll sort themselves into an album, you know, the new
1: songs at some point, I'm sure. Fantastic. Well, Drew, Drew I really appreciate your time coming in here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for my having pleasure, me. My pleasure indeed. Take care. Uh, it's one oh one point nine FM C I T R uh, we just heard the sounds of Drew, lead singer of Kobo Town, uh, and we'll leave you with this. Thanks for tuning in.
5: Call rppsound.com Tell them all the
6: stink and the tea, stink and the No, you cannot refuse me I'm pulling every pavement and every corner We go defeated, you know we come to beat it We go my name all over tongue Have no shame all on the drum